Hello, Auburn family, and welcome to another episode of Page 8, brought to you by the Auburn Plainsman. I'm your host, Kristen Carr, and thank you guys so much for joining us again. Today, we are going to be talking about baseball, we're going to be talking about basketball and um, gymnastics as well, but starting off, kind of giving you guys a preview of baseball season. It has started, and it's in full swing now, so... Um, we have Dylan Fox here to discuss it all with us. Hi, Dylan. How are you? I'm doing all right. Loving the weather. How about you? I The weather is confusing to me at the moment. So confusing? Yes. It's been hot and cold like every other day. Uh, no, I mean, like I get that. I, it, it's it's like, you know, it's like 40 when you wake up for 8 a.m. And then, you know, like at noon, it's like 70. And you're just like shedding layers. Just like this, the yeah, you always have to dress in layers. I think Alabama weather has always been so strange. Even though I grew up here. I still haven't gotten the hang of it, and you grew up in Chicago, so... Yeah, anything's better than 20 and snowing right now, that's for sure. All right, well, okay, let's talk baseball. So um, they had a series they played against Yale this past weekend. Um, I want to hear from you, what are your standout players from that series, and why? Well, so far in the season, the the story's been at the corner, uh, the corners of the infield, the two transfers, Blake Rambush and Sonny D., Blake has been, he's been great. Uh, he's also played in right field too. But what stands out is his leadoff, you know, ability, his, his ability to get on base. He's got, he's got a great batting average. His, his OPS is in the 800s. And Sonny D is all about the power. He draws, I mean, he walks like an Egyptian and he, and he, he, he hits bombs. He has crazy power. And, and uh, he's exactly what this team needed when they lost Tyler Miller to the draft last year. Yeah. And um, what are some problems that you're seeing so far in the team and I guess red flags for later in the season that are going to kind of show up more. Um, what are some themes in that area for you? It's the same story as last year. It's bullpen, bullpen, bullpen. No matter what these starters do, no matter how how well they play, Trace Bright, Jordan Armstrong, uh, who who I love to talk about too. Uh, you know they can get a lead. They can do whatever the you know you know whatever they want to to the offense, the other team's offense. But as soon as the bullpen comes in, it, it's like this all you know. Whatever team they're playing, they just catch life. Uh, we saw that against uh, Oklahoma. Uh, Tommy Sheehan was used as an opener, uh, and the, and the bullpen, you know, they held him off for a while. I believe Jordan Armstrong was also in that game, and then as soon as Hayden Mullins come in, it was just bam, three runs like that. And uh, you know, no matter how good this offense is going to be, Blake and Sonny and Cole Foster and whoever else, they're not going to be able to come back from that. Do you, so you, are you saying that it's um, almost depth in the bullpen that's the problem? Is there like one or two people that they can depend on? Or how, how is uh, how is that working as they're moving forward? Well, Burkhalter, Burkhalter as the closer is, is as dependable as they come. That's, that's what I'm predicting at least. I think he's going to be the most stable force in the bullpen. I also think, I mean, I was mentioning that Oklahoma game. If they use Tommy Sheehan as an opener, usually when they use uh, you know lefty as an opener, they're trying to get a bunch of right-handed bats on the other side, and so all the you know all the relievers coming out were righties until they put in Hayden Mullins, who let up those three runs. So I think there is is an element of Butch and and uh, pitching coach Tim Hudson putting them in bad spots. I, I think they could make better bullpen decisions. There were a few last year, namely I remember the Alabama game that went into extra innings that sticks out. Uh, that were very questionable bullpen decisions. So we'll kind of analyze each of them, you know, going through the year to see if the players are struggling or if it's the coaches putting them in a bad spot. Yeah, and for this um, series against Yale, they won the series, but then they dropped that last game. What are some takeaways for you from that? And 
I guess why do you feel like they dropped it? You know, a lot of a lot of people seem surprised at that. I I actually predicted that I'll take credit for that. that I, I called it the Sunday game that they would, and it was played on Saturday, but it, you know, originally scheduled for Sunday that they would drop it. Um, you know, when you look at Yale, you say, okay, it's an Ivy League school. They haven't played since 2020. But if you think about it, with how important advanced scouting is at this level of the game, they have absolutely no tape on any of these guys. They have no scouting reports because these guys haven't played in two years. The only footage you can find online is some grainy footage taken by somebody's dad from behind the backstop at some high school stadium out in the middle of nowhere. Uh, Well, you know, Auburn has all these, you know, advanced metrics and everything that Yale can look at. So uh, if you factor that in, I think it's kind of understandable that they would drop a game. And uh, obviously they had the walk-off, the case and how walk-off in game two. It's 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 an understandable loss. A good team, and it's baseball. It, random stuff can happen. We saw a top five team in the country lose to Delaware. Uh, Notre Dame lost to Delaware. So uh, you know anything can kind of happen in this sport. But I wouldn't be too worried about it moving forward. Yeah, and baseball season is so long, and they play so many games. So you know, eventually, like a one loss isn't going to decide your no. season. Um, obviously, up until the end. But nobody's going undefeated. That's for sure. Right, and. I want to ask you also, um, I want to get some predictions from you moving forward. So they have um, this game against Alabama State on Tuesday, UAB Wednesday, and then they have that weekend series against Rhode Island. Um, What are your predictions for those games? Even though I said baseball is random, I don't think they should drop a game during the week. Uh, UAB, Alabama State, those should be easy pickings midweek coming to Plainsman Park. Rhode Island, I'm going to... It's a four-game series. They have a doubleheader Friday. I say they'll drop one just because, uh, I mean, they've struggled to find a third starter, and finding a fourth will be equally as difficult. Uh, And the bats have obviously problems staying consistent. So I'd say they would drop one out of the four, maybe maybe one on Friday, depending on how Butch sets his rotation. Um, But looking forward later in the year, uh, I I know the one game, I mean, this team has to play – it's probably the toughest schedule in the country. Ole Miss, Vanderbilt, LSU, Texas A&M, Arkansas. But I know the one game that everyone has circled on their calendar is the Mississippi State weekend because that's Butch's, It's the defending champions. It's Butch's old team. Um, and I think they have a real good shot uh, at, at taking a game or two off the defending champs because of, of, of Jordan Armstrong. I think Jordan Armstrong is the perfect player to go up against Mississippi State. And I know I'm looking really far ahead and, and uh, it might be a, you know, a bit too far, but that's that's in the back of my head when I watch Jordan Armstrong pitch and I see the break on his two-seamer and, and the really nice breaking ball. I see what uh, Braden Oltoff of Tulane did to them last year where uh, Mississippi State's coach had to, had to ask for a substance check. Uh, I think this this is a guy that will absolutely dot up the Bulldogs. Really, I really do. I, and if that comes back to bite me, I, you'll <laughs> understand. But I, I I'm making that prediction now that I think Jordan Armstrong. I mean, he had 11 Ks against Yale, and I know there's a big step between Yale and Mississippi State, but yeah, they are both Bulldogs, so I, I guess it works. All right. Well, there you have it. Thank you so much for breaking that all down for us. Um, We look forward to the rest of the baseball season and hopefully having you on more. Thank you. Oh, yeah. Love baseball. Thank you. Hey, this is Collins Keith, podcast writer for The Plainsman. If you like this podcast and would like to support the organization and our team, you can visit our website at theplainsman.com and click on the button in the upper right-hand corner that says Donate. 
You'll be supporting over 127 years of local, editorially independent journalism right here at Auburn. Thank you so much in advance, and now back to the show. All right, next up, we are going to be switching gears a little bit and talking about gymnastics, sort of recapping um, this meet that they had on Friday and then looking forward into the season. And Auburn came out this weekend with a huge win against Kentucky, and Casey Barrett is here to break it all down for us. Hi, Casey. Hey, how are you? I'm good. Um, So gymnastics is doing so, so well. Why don't you break this game down for us? Tell us everything we need to know. So overall, the highlight was definitely Suni scoring her second 10 of the season, this time it being on beam, which helped bring Auburn to the win over Kentucky with a score of 197.925 to 197.150. So that's a major win, especially in this conference. And this actually puts them with the second best record in the SEC, right behind Florida, who is the Tigers' next matchup on Friday at home. And then moving over to bars, we saw SUNY again successfully perform in the Nebevia and received a 9.975 with actually a 10 from one of the judges. This move is yet to be seen in collegiate gymnastics until Friday, so that's not only huge for SUNY and her career, but also the Tigers as well, just trying to put their name out there once again and just be an overall really big, impactful team. Yes, it was so impressive. And that move had only been approved three days before the meet. So, And it's also the second time that she has completed a brand new skill never seen in the NCAA before. It's just amazing. She's coming to Auburn. She's breaking records all over the place. And they also had um, their highest team score in history in in um, program history which was so impressive um they've been tying it lately a lot um and then they were able to really break through and that 197.925 was their highest uh program in uh, highest score in program history um and then by winning that meet um they have now put themselves like you said earlier in a position to share a regular season SEC championship if they win on Friday versus Florida. So the regular season champion is decided by wins and losses. So Florida again like you said coming in 6 and 0 in the conference and then Auburn is coming in as 5 and 1. So if Auburn does win, they'll be tied with Florida, share that SEC regular season title, which is going to be Huge. Um, so talk about, I know Coach Graba mentioned this um, in his press conference. Uh, tell us what he said about it. Yeah, so we heard from him about going into this meet against Florida where he said that this is only the second time in the history of our program that we've been in the position to win the SEC regular season championship. So that with all this, we're seeing how much Friday really means not only to the team, but to this entire program and the program's history as well. And I just feel like having people like Suni Lee being a major or a major asset to accomplish this, you know, like you've seen what she's done to this season and everything. So for the team. So I feel like she's going to be a really big part of not only Friday, but going on for the rest of her collegiate career. Yeah. And it's going to be really interesting as we move forward to see how this affects recruiting, how this affects the team, not just for this year, but for years to come. And SUNY still has three more years with the Tigers. So what can they do? They still have postseason to go. So the Tigers still have a lot in front of them, but, um, you know, their home meets are coming to a close, but there is still a lot more left to the season. Um, Casey, did you have anything else that you wanted to add? 
No, I think you summed it up really well. Um, I really want to see how not only SUNY, like we talked about for the majority of it, but the rest of the team really comes through on Friday to hopefully pull out that win. And we hopefully see that SEC championship shared. All right. Thank you so much for coming thank on. Thank you. All right, next up, we are going to be breaking down some of these basketball games for you guys. And Henry Patton, sports writer here at the Plainsman, is here with us today, and he's going to be analyzing these games, kind of breaking them down for us. Um, so, Henry, how are you? You know, I'm doing well today. How about you? I'm good. Um, so, first off, I want to kind of recap the Tennessee game. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, a very disappointing loss for Auburn and We all knew it was going to be tricky going into Tennessee. It's a very loud atmosphere. Um, They haven't been doing great in away games lately. So give us your take on that game. What were some pros and cons? So I think I'll start with the pros because there weren't a whole lot, but I think there's one name that's pro. It's Jabari Smith. I mean, what what can you say about the guy at this point? I think he had 27 points on 9 and 21 shooting, which isn't the most efficient in the world. But still, some of the shots he was saying was were ridiculous. Like that three to cut it within three. But he was Auburn's pretty much their only source of offense, which is an issue. But as a pro, he, yeah. What, what more can you say about the guy? Now let's talk about the cons because pretty much everything else was negative. The, I think you have to start with the guards. Wendell Green had a tough game. I don't think it was all on him. He shot two of fifteen, and the box score was ugly. But the thing there is, he was having to take these looks because. Zepp Jasper, Alan Flanagan, they weren't being aggressive. They weren't shooting shots. Flanagan shot like three times. Zepp Jasper shot two times. You need more from your guards. Mm-hmm. And like I said, Wendell Green's box score was ugly, but it's because he had to take shots. And Bruce Pearl said at game, don't be afraid to fail. That's what, that's what they have to realize. Take shots. Get the ball ripped because Auburn will be a better team if you were being more aggressive. Now, I will say this. Lots of negatives, but the biggest negative and the reason they lost, the rebounding. Like, mm-hmm. That should have been a a plus matchup for Auburn with Walker Kessler and Jabari Smith being as tall as they are, um, but it wasn't. They got killed on the boards by about 24, and despite every negative that happened with Auburn, the poor shooting, the bad guard play, everything, also I didn't even touch on this, but the bench play was blawed. You didn't, you've been getting a lot from your bench earlier in the season, and you got about five points yeah there's been a huge contrast there because they Mm -hmm. they had a bench before that was performing so well almost as well as the starters in some cases and then now it's just trailing off so much what do you think is the cause of that there's a few things so a lot of the bench production is energy like Wendell Green is the sixth man he's going to get shots up but the other guys Jalen Williams Devin Cambridge Dylan Cardell a lot of their actions are getting open cuts like a lot Devin Cambridge and Jalen or Devin Cambridge specifically gets a good amount of his points off of flex cuts off of offensive rebounds and putbacks. He hasn't been getting that recently. I thought Jalen Williams had a pretty decent game against Ole Miss. He got to his spots and then that just kind of didn't happen against Tennessee. One of the greatest matchup in the world for him in that game. But with the bench, you yeah, you do need more from him because that was your strength coming in for like half of SEC play and that's just tailed off. Yeah, and I want to look at how this is going to affect the rest of the season. And you're going to be at the Mississippi State game. Um, give us a little bit of a preview into what we're probably going to see and what you think that the Tigers need to accomplish in order to win that game. Okay, so Mississippi State's a fascinating team. 
they are dead last in three-point shooting. They don't really have, outside of Shaquille Moore, they don't shoot threes. They're not very good at it. Iverson Molinar will put some up, but he's not going to, he's not going to kill you from three at all. He's like a 30% three-point shooter. They're a team that gets inside Garrison Brooks, Tolu Smith. Iverson Molinar is a really good driver. They were, they're going to get a lot of their production from inside. They're going to, they, I think shoot the most second or most free throws in the conference and Auburn has had a bit of a fouling issue. So that's a huge key. Don't foul. Don't give them free points. But it's a matchup that theoretically could favor Auburn because they're a team that likes to drive in. Walker Kessler, very good shot blocker. Also, I was uh, uh, the thing that lost Auburn the Tennessee game, I'm, I'm going to circle around back to this because they need to fix this. They had a bunch of guard issues, all that, but their issue was rebounding. They got rebounded by 24. If they got out-rebounded by like 15 – they win that game against Tennessee, despite all the guard issues and everything. So, and Mississippi State's a bit, bit of a bigger team. Garrison Brooks, like I said, Walker Kessler's former teammate at North Carolina, played uh, played in front of him for the most part. Shouldn't have, but he did. And Tolu Smith, good rebounders. You have to be, you're going to have to be alert there. You can't let that happen again. So you're saying it's not even that they have to fix everything. It's if they fix the rebounds, they're in an astronomically better place than what they were. I would say, yeah. I mean, they're like it would be ideal if Wendell Green wasn't shooting two fifteen, or if your guards being more aggressive. I think that'll make if that happens. I think you're right back in there with in national title contention. But I mean, if you can, I mean, I think the rebounding wasn't was an outlier there. I'm not because like getting out rebounded by twenty four and losing by five just doesn't happen. That's usually where you're going to get blown out if you do that. Yeah. But you know. I don't think they're going to perform like that again on the boards. So I think right now, I think their biggest issue is consistency from guard play. Katie Johnson seemed to snap out of his slump a little bit in the Tennessee game. He really needs to, he needs to hunt drives, get to the free throw line. He did that a bit against Tennessee and get spot up looks. A lot of Katie Johnson's threes are off the bounce and those are hard to hit. Those aren't, those aren't easy. And especially if you're not in a rhythm. You can get spot-up looks, get easier looks. We're not having to run as much, do as much, create as much. I mean, that you're going to hit a higher percentage of your, of your threes. Yeah, I totally agree with you. I think if they can get the guard play under control and in a place mm-hmm. that they were at, they're going to be just fine. And I think I agree with you what you were saying about Jabari as well. He's been doing so much and carrying so much. Yeah. You have to spread that out. And right. it's good that he's being a little bit more selfish. That's helped them. That's done nothing but help them. But also, it's a team. And I don't feel like personally, as I watch them, this is just my personal opinion, I don't feel like they're playing like a team as they were maybe a few weeks ago, which is a weird It's weird timing because we saw at the beginning of the season, Bruce Pearl talking about, you know, they're great as individuals, but they're not playing as a team. That was a theme at the beginning. Mm -hmm. Then they moved into mid-season play and they were doing really well. There was so much chemistry. They were bouncing off of each other and there was just so much teamwork going on. And right now it feels like Jabari is just doing everything that he can do and Mm -hmm. he's just carrying all the weight and then everyone else is just like, okay, let me see if I can shoot this three. And it's not the chemistry that they had before. I would like to see them find that again. Yeah, and to bounce off your point there, you're, uh, you're kind of talking about how Jabari's having to do everything. If you're having one guy do everything and that guy's like not hitting shots, now Jabari's going to hit his shots more often than not. 
But if he's having to do everything and he's having an off night, what do you turn to? Yep. You have to have everyone, and it, it's a solid mix because Jabari is your best player. He's gonna be number. He's gonna be the number one pick, or should be. He's better than Chet Holmgren, and he's your best player. At the same time, though, you don't want him having to do everything because it. You okay? You want Jabari to take the most shots, and you want him probably to be ideally your leading scorer. But it's a middle point between he like doesn't do much on offense is just kind of a non-factor and him having to explode for 25 points you want a sweet mix where it's like he's shooting when he needs to like he's he's kind of been the run stopper at times that's good but you don't want him you don't want to have to rely on him like Auburn had to against Tennessee because no one else was getting anything done if you can get Wendell Green if you can get him back to his January form you yeah. can get Katie Johnson back to form Jabari won't have to do as much and you can just rely on him like if you need a if you need a tough bucket or you need to stop a run. Yeah. I'm I'm kind of with you on that, but also, you know, there's a like you said there is this balance between like real, total reliance and then him just doing what he does, mm-hmm. which is what they need. And I think you can rely on him just yeah. not to the point that they are. And right. so my hope would be like you were saying, things spread out a little bit more. And as they face Mississippi State, what is a, what happens after that? If they if they win, give our audience a little bit of a picture of what goes next. Yeah. So if they beat Mississippi State, they they clinch the SEC. They clinch a share of the SEC. If they beat South Carolina, they'd have it outright. Right now, you're fighting for a number one seed in the NCAA tournament. You ideal you realistically should win both of these games because your one is at home against the South Carolina team that you've beaten before. You're better than. Mississippi State, like Ben Hallen's about to get fired. Like they're kind of in shambles. It's a team again. You should beat. Road struggles are one thing. I'll go ahead and say this. Uh, Mississippi State does play with the Wilson ball, which is a which is a thing. That's apparently. a that's a good thing for Auburn. Yeah, it, <laughs> there has been this uh, for those of you who don't know um, with. Auburn, when they play with a Nike ball, they have been um, losing when they play with a Nike ball. So it is good that they're playing with a Wilson for them. <laughs> yeah, their, uh, their splits with Nike balls have been rough. But you, good news is for Auburn, they're done. It's done with the uh, with the Nike balls, and it'll be all Wilson from here on out in the NCAA tournament and the SEC tournament. But uh, to pick up where I was uh, with the tournament, SEC tournament, you'll probably that bracket's yet to be really re- released because there's so much that can happen so it's kind of hard to look at that but if you win that first matchup you're likely going to p- play arkansas or alabama or tennessee one of those three teams you match up with i think fairly well i think like you had to play at tennessee no one's won there this year mm-hmm. and you had to play at arkansas without Zeb jasper like just because i think auburn lost those games i still think they match up really well with all those teams so I still am of the belief that Auburn's the best team in the SEC. I'm frankly of the belief that they're the best team in the country, even if they've struggled recently. I think, and I don't think I don't think anything that their mistakes aren't fixable. It's a lot of like, it's kind of simplistic, but hit shots. <laughs> if I mean, if they can hit shots, and it's, and that's kind of a yeah, like I said, simplistic take, but they're getting some of them are looks. They're just kind of missing and. You know, I think it's all very fixable. All right. So takeaways, Auburn's guards need to shape up. They need to get their shots and they have some challenges moving forward. But um, Henry, thank you so much for coming on. Appreciate it. Of course. Thanks for having me.
All right, guys, that is going to wrap it up for us today. Thank you guys so much, as always, for listening and for your support. We have new episodes coming out every Tuesday, so be on the lookout for that. And we have some special stuff coming up, so stay alert. We are going to be having some really, really great material out for you guys on the equestrian team. So a lot to look forward to. Again, thank you guys so much for listening, and we'll see you guys next time.